Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Four years ago, I was invited to speak at a transition house. And there, the man that was running this place was quite tough, quite strict. He wanted to make sure that those people who come in have a genuine relationship with the Lord, that they walk with God and they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Well, if he had that criteria for those people who came in, I had the same expectation for him, that he was full of the Holy Spirit and he had the same values as I did. Well, immediately as we connected, we found out that we have the same values and that we both operate in the Spirit and the Gospel is relevant and true for us and we live it out every single day. Tonight, it is a privilege to bring you to Kingdom Stories from the Ananda, my good friend, Kendall uh, Stan, <laughs> I'm gonna sum up your surname again. Yes. Stans. Yeah, that's it. Stans. Yeah. It's Stanis, but Stans is uh, the Scottish name. Yeah. What do people confuse you with? They call you Stains. Stains. Yeah. Stains is the commonest, most common yeah. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but Kendall, it's all. It's always been. Everyone knows you as Kendall. Yes. Yeah. Kendall. Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've journeyed for some number of years now and we've both known Bob Chapman, who is my spiritual father. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think he's had a massive impact on you as well. Yes, he has. Yeah. And uh, that makes us brothers, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, same blood, Jesus. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Were you born in Perth? Yes. Oh, Narragin. Narragin. I was born in Narragin, just outside of Perth. Yeah. Okay. So you're Western Australian. Yeah. At what age did you move to Perth? Uh, so oh, about five, five, just going on six years old. Do you remember anything from Norwichon? Oh, yeah. You yeah. do? Yeah, we live in a, we work. My dad was a shearing contractor, so okay. Yeah, I used to, I used to rodeo, ride sheep, and carry on in, in the farm. I used to get chased by goanas and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. so you still remember some of those things. What's oh, yeah. the, what's the earliest memory of your childhood? What, what what's my list? The earliest, the earliest. The earliest. Um, sleeping with my go kart. I used to have a go kart. I used yeah. to have to have it sleep. I used to have to have it laying on top of me. Oh, in the house, or you slept in the in barn? My cot. This is when I was a baby. Okay, it's quite uncomfortable, but I just uh, I like my go kart. That's about. The earliest I can remember. That's probably about two years old. And that was wooden or was it plastic? No, it was steel. Steel. Plastic wheels. Yeah. Okay. You know those pedal ones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you probably uh, drove the go the cart before you walked? Ah, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> Are you still passionate about cars? I like cars, yeah. Yeah? Mm. Motorbikes still? Uh, I like motorbikes, but I'm not, you know, I'm not fast if I... What do you drive? I've got a WRX Subaru. Yeah. Done up a bit? Yeah. Yeah, a lot? Yeah. Supercharged and all no, that? No, no, it's got an STI turbo on it and okay. an in-gen tune. Yeah. Great cars, Very eh? Very nice, yeah. Good. So you moved from Norwich into Perth? Yeah. Uh, what, what made the move? Why did your parents move? The contract uh, finished? 
Uh, no, my dad was in a cult called, um, it was Anglican. It wasn't Anglican. Well, it was sort of, it came from Anglican background, but it went into Christian New Age. Okay. They believed in Jesus. Yeah. They believed in everything else as well. So that was called the Centre, mm-hmm. and that moved to Vic Park. And my dad was connected to it. He was like a, a New Age prophet. Oh, he considered himself one anyway. And um, we moved up to connect with that church. But it was it caused a lot of grief in our family. So my mum being Catholic, a firm Catholic. She was against it. She was against it, full on. She was dead set against it, and uh, it caused full on arguments, violence, brokenness. Yeah, it sort of bring the devil into our household. And uh, so before that, your dad grew up in an Anglican church. He was Anglican. traditional Anglican. Yeah, traditional Anglican, and um, then he started wandering. I think. Yeah. How many siblings? I've got three sisters. Older. Younger? Two older, one younger. Okay. And what introduced your dad to this? Um, a friend or...? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't really asked him the history of it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was pursuing this in Vic Park and your yeah. mum was totally against it. Yeah. And uh, tensions began to mount in the household. Yeah. yeah. What happened next? Arguments uh, for most of my childhood. Breakups. Mum taking me back and forth. To Queensland, oh, not only my, my other siblings. Queensland was her hometown. That's where she was from, and my dad too. But um, well, my dad was from Perth, but he worked. He lived, they lived over there for a long time too. Okay. So we met my mum. Then he brought her back here, shearing, and then uh, they broke up. Back, you know, there was just breakups and getting back together. Breakups back together, flying across the country, living in different states. Was a violence as well? Yeah, heaps of violence, yeah. Towards you or towards her or towards Uh, all of you? All concerned, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was a pretty interesting time. Yeah. And how was school for you? School was all right. Were you getting it easily? Um, Yes and no. Yeah, I was diagnosed dyslexic, mm-hmm. and then I got my mum got got a real expensive personal tutor, and they helped me to get over that. And then um, it came back when I was older, uh, but I was I had a high high IQ anyway. The yep. school got me um, my IQ tested, and then they put me in that the I think it's. Trinity, is it Trinity, the one near the... Yeah, yeah they, East Perth. They put me in there, I couldn't, I didn't like it, so... Too posh, you it, Yeah, and I... Uniform, I, the whole lot. Yeah, I couldn't handle it, so I, did, I left. I didn't have to leave, but I did. I went back to my old school and uh, went on from there. And, uh, yeah. Then in high school, I only went to, like, first year high school, WAGS. I was, by that time, I was living on... Basic, or well, living with my older sister, mm-hmm. who was only like, I was like 13 going on 14. She was 15 going on 16. She was looking after me. My dad uh, left us. Mum was in Queensland. I was over here with dad. He left us and moved in with his cult and uh, left us to our own devices. So my sister did her best 
to bring us up, but yeah. amidst all the bad kids in our suburb. So, because two teenagers with their own house yeah. in, in Victoria Park, yeah. you just track all So, the, the little ones were with mum in Queensland and the yeah. two of you here? Yeah. Oh, my oldest one was moved on. She was living by herself in okay. Queensland. Uh, mum was with in Queensland with my little sister, and we, my sister and I were here. Yeah. My second oldest sister and I were here. Yeah. So your dad left you in the family home or whatever you were staying, you were renting? No, we were renting, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, he moved in with those guys in the church or? Yeah, yeah. Okay, very interesting. And um, so your sister's looking after you the best that she can, but you're on the street. Basically, yeah. yeah. You left school already? I was wagon school. I wasn't really going, yeah. I was... In and out of school. So what were you getting up to during the day? Um, I was using drugs. Already? Yeah. When did you first start using? Probably about 13. Oh, younger than that. Eight. Eight, yeah. Smoking pot. Or trying out pot, drinking alcohol. And, uh, yeah. Was it common? Not really, no. How did you get your hands on this stuff? Uh, my old when I was younger, my oldest my oldest sister's boyfriend had he grew marijuana, and had dope, and his, we used to get off him, you know. And alcohol was, my dad didn't drink, but he used to get alcohol given to him by all his clients. He was when he came up to Perth, he was a he was a lawnmower man, yeah. And every Christmas, there was just tons of alcohol given to him, and he didn't drink it, so we would nick it and you know get drunk. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you didn't get in trouble with them, with your parents? Or they knew or they didn't know? Uh, or they didn't care? My mum, no, don't worry. My mum was a strict Roman Catholic. <laughs> and my dad didn't like, like, they, I don't think they caught me, to be honest. At that stage, they didn't, yeah. Because there was that it. much alcohol, you he wouldn't have known what was there and what wasn't. He didn't okay. care about it, you know. Yeah. He'd just bring it home and put it in the corner and then give it away to someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would lose track of it. Yeah, there's a lot of it, yeah. And uh, so in these teenage years, so now you're, you're stuck at home with your with your sister, well, just the two of you. Yeah. How were you managing? Uh, my sister was on the doll. Mm-hmm. Then I, I got special payments because I was, well, basically with it parentless and um, we went from there. Just scraping by. Mm. Oh, Dad used to pay, pay the rent for a while. Then he stopped. Yeah. Okay. Then I ended up getting in trouble with the local hoodlums and ended up in their custody, their parents' custody. Yeah. Through the courts. Whose custody? Local hoodlums. What are they? Hoodlum? You don't no. know what hoodlums are? No, no, no. All right. The local criminals. Okay. Yeah. Their, their parents... So I was getting in trouble with them, stealing and doing burglaries and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, we all got caught. Yes. And the mum knew me. She thought I was a good boy. Yeah. And she liked me. Uh, but they were a bad family. They were cri- actually a crime family, very violent. And they're murderers. They're killers. They're underworld people. Yeah. And uh, They took you in. Yeah, they took me in. Mum liked me. And she got a, was bailing her son out. We were in the same dock at the court. Yeah. She said, can I bail him out? He said, he's a ward of the state. Yeah. Because he's got no parents here until he's 18 or something. And, and uh, you'd, you would have to, he'd have to be in your custody. And then she applied. For custody. 
right there and then. And they took me back to the cell and about an hour later I was bailed out to them. They put me in their custody. Hmm. And you went to their home? Went to their home and uh, where it was just crime, drugs and violence. Hmm. And your sister was left on her own? No, she was actually ended up going out with one of them, the oldest one. Mm. Yeah. So she she um ended up having a boyfriend in that same family. I ended up in their custody and uh so it sort of turned out to be one terrible family. <laughs> Bad. So were they were they getting you to sell drugs or what, what were you doing? No, we we're just doing crime, you know, breaking into bottle shops, or sniffing glue, um doing burglaries, uh later on it was Robbing drug dealers, armed robberies, hurting people, um, car rackets, all sorts of stuff. So you're only, stuff. you were only 17, 18 at that stage? I was only 14. 14, that early? Mm. Yeah. Did you end up in juvenile prison or not? Yeah, yeah. In and out or in, in and out? In and out, yeah. Doing stints, three months, six months? Uh, the longest I did was about three months in juvenile. Mm -hmm. It felt like three months, yeah. I was in hospital for three months. Yeah. No massive consequences like scars, getting beaten up or yeah, sleeping on the streets or. I used to get tortured. They used to torture me. And, the drug uh, dealers or the family. The family. Yeah, they were drug dealers too. Okay. They were into everything. Yeah. They were into everything: drug dealing, d dope, speed, whatever. Yeah, and I got into that sort of stuff. Uh, they used to torture me. Um, Believe it or not, they were different colour than me. Yeah. And they didn't like me because I was white. <laughs> and I used to get I used to get racially discriminated against in that, that household. Yeah. And beaten and tortured. And I'm not talking I'm talking United Nations definition of torture. I used to get I used to have Tommy chairs, play darts on me, smash four bottles of beer on my head, make me eat human feces, do terrible things to me. So they wrecked me. They made me a a broken man. They broke my soul. And uh, basically what they did was, I believe, what I know now, it was ritual abuse uh, to summon up bad stuff in me. And it did make me a really bad man as well. It uh, turned me into a psychopath. Uh, and Did they know what they were doing? Hey? Did they know what they were doing? They knew exactly what they were doing? I believe they did. I believe they know what they're doing. Yeah. Off the streets, or they read about it, or how do they? I, I believe I believe it's there's demonic realms that control certain families yeah. in the community, Aboriginal community, and I'm not. And there's good there's good Aboriginals and there's bad Aboriginals. Sure. There's good white people and there's yeah. bad white people. I believe it's, it's demonic realms that are controlled them, uh, that they fully agree with. They were f they're full on people, full on violence, full on like, you know, there wasn't a day. Or, you know, you'd go two or three days without violence in that house, in that household or, or combined. You know, wherever we went, there was fights and violence and, like, full-on Could stuff. you escape? I could have, but I think I had um, some sort of um, trauma. Fear. Codependency, all of that sort of stuff. Drugs or emotional? Everything. I was broken. Um, drug, drug problem, uh, emotional problems, uh, it was, I think it's Hodgkinson disorder. I yeah. think it was something like that as well. Uh, 
I was a slave. I was basically a slave to the household. And um, they used to get me to do all the dirty work and a lot of things uh, because I looked innocent. Yeah. But I wasn't there yeah, because I'd been, I turned out pretty nasty. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they really broke me, broke my soul, and I was just messed up, messed up. Just, I used to just smash drugs and alcohol to f- not feel the pain. Mm. Yeah. And then what happened in your late teens? Um, just followed followed through those guys till I was about eighteen. Yeah, and just decided I was going to walk, you know, go my own way. Yep. which was basically just a life of crime anyway. Just doing it by myself without them. Without them, yeah, and uh, robbing drug dealers, hurting people, getting bad. So when when you were robbing uh, robbing drug dealers, were you robbing them for drugs or for money or for both? Everything. Yeah. In my mind, I justified those crimes by because my my real mum read me the Bible as a bedtime story from okay. ages probably about one to five which is so most had, important you had the values in I had the, I had in my subconscious God written there yeah yeah and I used to believe in God then but he was there over there yeah so the, the um it was yeah, it was always over there I'd say sorry for my stuff when yeah. I felt bad about it but yeah. I never waited for an answer. You know, I just continue on. That's what was my idea, God. Say sorry, keep going, you know. And I didn't know that there was an answer or anything that was going to change my life. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I had those values. I had an idea of God uh, in my heart. I always wanted to minimalize or justify myself. So I, I said to the boys as we were growing up, so listen, instead of robbing innocent people, let's rob, what, the- rob drug dealers because we're going to get what we want, the drugs, and the money. And I was... But these guys had weapons. These guys were criminals. Yeah. You would have risked your life. Yeah. It was much easier to, to steal from honest people, wasn't it? Yeah, but I had this weird conscience in my okay. head. Okay. Yeah, so I justified... That's yeah. how I justified yeah. doing bad things. Because Robin was, Hood. Yeah, Robin... Well, it wasn't a Robin Hood, but I was... Because you weren't giving it to the poor. I wasn't giving it to the poor. Yeah. But you were the poor. Yeah. It was a case where... It was just a, an opportunistic mindset, yeah. justifying feeling, trying to feel better about my bad behaviour. Sure. Because regardless of what anyone says, I know this, you can't do bad things con- consistently yeah, there's and a, feel good about yourself. There's an ounce of morality in there. Yeah, yeah, a twinkling of morality. Yeah, and it just it was just a way I could justify feeling good about myself. And uh, it didn't work anyway. They didn't follow you up. They didn't chase you. Yeah, yeah. So you That's were. That's how I found God. <laughs> you were a hunted man. Yeah, I very violent. I was. Yeah, I was in the underworld, and people feared me as well. So it wasn't a case where they're going to come knocking on my door and they weren't going to get something straight back. It yeah. was. It was on. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, no job, no trade, nothing. Oh, no, no. I worked here and there, but yeah. Okay. And then what happened? Um, so I left and went my own way and just in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out of prison and merry-go-round, just living, well, they call it a career criminal, but I didn't have much of a career. I was just, that's, uh, I was actually called a career prisoner by the head of the department. Department, yeah, career prisoner. And uh, we'll see you next I week. I actually thought, that's what I was. That's my gig. That's yeah. who I am. That's that's 
you know, I, I accepted it as a lot of guys do in there. They just say, well, this is it. This is me. You know, after a few too many years in there. It was like my home. It, I'd go back and I would, yeah, it wasn't any, it wasn't like I was missing out on anything apart from, you know, girls there. And that's, uh, if we had all the drugs in there and all of that stuff, it was just a horrible place to be, really. It was completely backwards. What you think a prison should be is not there. It's, uh, it's the opposite. It's full of drugs. It's full of stupidity. It's, uh, yeah. I used to walk in there and I would have a cell made up for me. A Sony PlayStation, stereo, drugs, and I would just move, go from the transit unit straight into where all, all the boys were, all, yeah. the, all that crew, and be looked like the Don. But I wasn't a Don, you know, just because I was in and out of there so often. I was well known and people liked me. And I was, you know, and we, we did drugs and stuff together. So, yeah. It was really, um, yeah, I was at a distance from God there. So in, in prison, um, any reflections, any time to meditate, to reflect? All the time. All the yeah. time. I used to, you get a lot of time, obviously, yeah. up your sleeve. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the fun wears off. And the drugs wear off, and the gym wears off, and mm. you know the work wears off, and you're stuck in the cell for ten hours yeah. at night or twelve hours sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I, I used to cry regularly. Um, just to, used to hate myself. On your own? Yeah, wouldn't do it in front of your mates. <laughs> Were you sharing cells? No, usually? I usually ended up with the one around that time. Oh, we did it later on when it got got. Now the prisons are full. When I left there, it was dull full, and even worse now. It, basically, all the cells were two out there. But by that time, I'd been, had a massive encounter with God. But um, I used to reflect regularly mm-hmm. and ask God forgiveness regularly yeah. know, for my stuff, but never actually... Repent. Repent, yeah. Just ask forgiveness, not the full repentance stuff, yeah. Because that was my idea of what we just said, sorry. So yeah. when you were crying, were you crying of... Of being sorry, or of being lonely, or of being afraid, or guilty, shame, just broken, just um, basically mental breakdowns regularly. I I reckon I've like through the, the prison system breaks a man down in different levels, and I think it's you know now that I think about it, it's different principalities. Yeah, you you distance yourself from God through the things you do wrong, and as you know the wages of he says the flesh reaps corruption. It's just deeper, deeper, and deeper relationship with the the, the dark one, you know, it's Satan, and you just, it just you just reap corruption, and you break. It'll break you. I don't care what anyone says. I know some of the toughest men in this country, and they've all prison does sooner or later get them. Yeah. yeah. Is that good though? If. If you turn around. If you look up, the only time it's good. Otherwise, it's it's a lot of people are broken and they don't. They don't they recover. Don't, they don't recover. Never. No. I don't know. They come out. Families doesn't matter. They they're still Just broken. Yeah, they stay broken. I know guys who are totally crazy now, totally crazy. They were normal kids when I growing up with me, yeah. and their total. They got fifty one fifty stamped on their file, which is criminally insane. And when they go in, they've got to get the governor of. Of Western Australia to sign them out to release them. So, and it's just because it's just consistent 
long term or in and out, it's just a horrible place to be. Yeah. Do you think it's neurological or is it spiritual? I believe it's spiritual. Spiritual, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does affect the brain, but it's much more than that. Everything, yeah. Whatever it spirit, spiritual affects, I believe, you know, demons, because I was demonically, I had a demon in me. And I believe, and I was full, fully imbalanced. I'd be up one day and depressed the next, angry, paranoid delusions, the whole lot. I was a mental, full on mental case. They gave me drugs and psych drugs. And um, uh, obviously I self-medicated with all the drugs I could get and get in and yeah. all of those things. Uh, and I was a mess. I was totally mess. I was full on. Nice mess. I was. Shakes, everything. Yeah, angry it's, outbursts, paranoid delusions, the whole lot, the whole lot. And you so, weren't the only one. People were experiencing that all around you as well. Oh, yeah, it's just, that's, that's the nature of the, we call it the nature of the beast. Well, you really, when you're, it's, because of all the shadows that you've agreed with, we call them shadows in your closet, yeah. you know, you get these paranoid delusions, you know, you get, you think the whole world's against you yes. because of the things you've, you've actually done, you know, you're yeah. reaping what you sow yeah. and what you sow is spiritual. Mm. Unless God opens your eyes, you never know that. You just, you're just going through some form of mental illness or breakdown. You, you know, and um, I distanced my fully distanced distanced myself from God. I basically I was mocking him. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, he got he bring me to. I always knew there was a time and a place. Sure. I felt called. I didn't know it was a calling then. Yeah. I felt called by God. Always knew there was going to be a time and a place where I'm going to have to stop, drop and roll, and actually make contact. Yeah. For real. Yeah. I knew there was going to be a time where, I, you know, when I'm facing something serious and I ended up through my lifestyle, uh, robbing, oh, well, I got out, I, 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 some pretty heavy people come around my house, I uh, hurt one really badly, nearly killed him, he was connected, Yeah. the other guy's a gangster as well, um, so I had contracts put out on me by their family, I, mean, I was on the run for that. Um, it was all over the news and stuff. Uh, I was uh, I robbed a major drug dealer, you know, from a, another country, <laughs> but serious people, and I got contracts put out on me, and I took all these guns and all sorts of stuff, and ended up getting caught with all that stuff, and what and drugs and whatever, and ended up getting locked up, and had contracts out on me in prison. Okay. Um, I wasn't the sort of person to run away from that because it's not. There's a there's a, a backwards form of pride in there. Yep. You don't go and hide. You no. go you fight it. You go and, and front it up and go go on with it. So I got a sword made up about that big. By in young, yeah. And uh Metal or Metal, yeah. yeah. A friend of mine worked in the metal shop. And um I thought if I'm gonna die, because I knew I had contracts out, two contracts out on me, I thought if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna make peace with God. I'm gonna get an actual answer. So I know if I die, because I believe I did believe in heaven and I did believe in hell. Yeah, that's why it sort of justified my let's rob all the bad people, you know. Yeah. So that we're not hurting innocent people. Maybe I'll get some score for it. So you weren't going to kill yourself, but you knew that they'll they'll fight you, and you were ready to fight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't going to kill myself or run away from it. Yeah. Or anything like that. And um. So I got the sword made up. I thought I'll make peace with God before I die, and then I'll ask Him for strength for battle. 
So you can fire these guys. So I can fire the guys because I thought I was. I only I heard gangsters. They were bad people. Yeah. And I was a bad person too. But in my head, you know, and the I robbed a major drug dealer. Yeah. He deserved it in yeah. my in my eyes. Of course. Yeah. The Bible says, "Thou shalt not steal." You know. <laughs> so you can't rob anyone. And anyway, so I've came. I've come up. And I thought, well, my idea of God was King David because my mum reading the Bible to me in the bed, yeah. his bedtime story yeah. most nights of the week. It wrote, wrote it on my heart. Yeah. So King David used to talk to God, yes, pray to God, cry out to him, then talk to prophets and go, we're going to go to battle. Yeah. And if they'll go, yeah, go. God has approved you. Yeah. Let's go. And, yeah. I, and that's what I was going to do. I was yeah. going to go, right, get an answer from God and get him get him to approve my battle. Yeah. And, and instead, I just um, so we had the drugs in the prison system. I was in the hierarchy of the underworld in there. Yeah, yeah. So with that, in our unit, it was like if, to come into our unit, you had to be vouched for. You had to be invited in. It was like Freemasons. <laughs> no, it was the some. Tribe. It was a the tribe. Yeah, tribe. yeah, sub tribe, sub culture, and um, yeah, though, in the in the midst of that, I was on drugs. I was trying to get off drugs. There was so much crap going on around me. I was only out three weeks at that stage. The incident happened five days after getting out of prison. I've just come straight back in and started repenting. I just got myself an old King James Version Bible. The best. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> um, and uh, at that stage, though, I couldn't read it. <laughs> couldn't understand a no, word of it. No. Yeah. However, it was. I started reading that. I started praying, I started repenting, I baptised myself. I grabbed, washed, like I was under the terrors of God. You know, in the Bible it says, knowing the terrors of God in the New Testament, we persuade men. Yeah. I know the terrors of God. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you the truth. I've been shot at, hit in the head with axes, stabbed, I've been in battles. I'm not talking about full-on wars. I've had post-traumatic stress syndrome for seven years. I used to have God healed me of it. Um, I've faced dangers. I was considered one of the most courageous out of all the boys, because yeah. I was just I'd do crazy stuff. Yeah. And the terror I felt in my prison cell, by myself, surrounded by garden gun towers, locked behind many doors, was supernatural. It was the most horrifying feeling. It was just all the way through my whole being. It was terrifying. And um I believe if heaven and earth passed away at that stage of my life. I would have been at the gates of hell and I was feeling that. Yeah. Because I got later on I got an explanation of what I was feeling by another man that went to hell. Yeah. And he's at uh, just bore witness with me. And he was a very severe, like a madman too. But um so I was just I was just getting terrorized in my soul demonically. I, I had one in me, I believe. Um just started repenting, baptized myself, washed every part of my body seven times. In the name of Jesus, for some reason. Naaman. Ah? Uh, you did a Naaman. What's that? Naaman. Naaman from the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't remember that, but yeah. <laughs> it's in I'll the Bible. At, is it? Not, right. not in the King James. I, yeah. <laughs> I know seven's a good number, so yeah. So <laughs> seven times. <laughs> and uh, just cried out to God day and night, day and night. I started cleaning up, you know, all the dirty magazines, drug paraphernalia. I had needles and drugs and stuff in my room. Cleaned up all my room. Just reading the Bible, reading the Bible. Couldn't really understand it because, you know, it's new uh, the old King James. and um, But it was breaking stuff off. 
it was taking the you know the scales off my eyes. I started seeing you know just little breadcrumbs. God was giving me little coincidences. Yeah. You know, I got myself a stereo, and then I'd be reading something ninety-eight point five would say the same scripture that I'm reading in the Bible at that time, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So God was sort of, you know, encouraging me toward him, um, still suffering a lot of terror and fear yeah. because regardless of who you are, when you've got two contracts out on you in prison, if you've got a sword or what, doesn't matter, and all your friends are, are villains, cutthroats, yeah. you can't trust anyone, you know. You can't, yeah. you've got, you're alone yeah. completely. God made me alone. Yeah. yeah, and I, I believe he orchestrated the whole lot because <laughs> he is so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I believe he orchestrated. Yeah, anyway, I, I came to a place I couldn't trust anybody or anything, prison guards, anyone, because I knew about the corruption. Yeah. I knew about like, all of it. You yeah. Know? And uh, I was in amongst villains, cutthroat, murdering villains. You know, people that really were serious people, and um, so I just closed my door, started repenting reading the Bible, trying to understand it, calling out to God, reading the Bible till I fell asleep in it, waking up, reading it again, calling out, praying to God, naming my stuff, naming everything I could ever think of from a child uh, that I had done that was contrary to what he wanted me to do uh, and just crying out out to him. I um, felt like an eternity in there. It felt like God had stopped time. Yeah. Everything was just horrifying, horrible. Yeah. And I was just calling out, weeping, um, asking him for just for everything, just to please forgive me, you know. And um, at the same time, he's leading me, yeah. but also holding me back. Yeah. I think he was stretching my heart because, you know, enlarging my heart or something yeah. because... Uh, that's what I sort of come to the conclusion of, but later on, but I really, really meant it. I was really humbled. I was terrified. I like regularly. I knew that at any stage it could go out in the yard, and serious dramas. It could be the end. I wanted the answer. Yep. I wanted to know a hundred percent. It was dropping breadcrumbs. Yeah. It was giving me little signs, yep. but I wanted a hundred. I wanted a hundred percent. I wanted him to answer me. Yeah. You know, and um. I had to, uh, you know, just be humbled and started fasting. I read the book, you know, I started reading, you know, Book of Psalms. A, a, a priest walked past and I said, asked him, because I thought that prayers weren't getting answered. I said, how do I pray? And he goes, read the Book of Psalms. King David, you'll have a lot in common with him. And uh, So this was a chaplain, the priest that came into yeah, prison. Yeah, Catholic, Catholic guy called Peter okay. Tui. And um, he said, read the Book of Psalms. So I started reading the Book of Psalms. And as I'm reading the book of Psalms, I'm going into, you know, the book of you know, Kings yeah. and the New Testament, but reading the book of Psalms. And it started relating to me because King yeah. David had trouble on every side. He was hiding yeah. and, you know, had dramas and people were out to kill him. So you weren't dys- dyslexic anymore. You could read. You can understand. You can assimilate. Oh, okay. When I was reading it, it was very hard to read. When I yeah. first started reading the old King James, the words would move. Yeah. And I believe I was under demonic oppression. I believe that that des- Dyslexia from a child was something that was brought into my house, my family's household through my father. Yeah, that's as much as I could trace that sort yeah. of stuff back. Um, so the, it was really, I'm telling you, when I was reading the Bible, it was physically hard. 
yes. physically challenging. Yeah. The words would move, my eyes would go fuzzy. It was there was influence there. Now that I know what it is, I yeah. can say it. You know, yeah. it was a real demonic influence. I had done things that deserved, you know, the full embodiment of a demon. I had done some terrible crimes, you know, violence against people. Even though there are other criminals and other, you know, people fighting with me and all that, it's levels of violence that you get into. Actually, you can feel when you've stepped across a, a principality yes. into a deeper a darkness. Yeah, you can actually feel. It. You know, you've stepped across the line that you shouldn't have when yeah. you when you do serious stuff like armed robberies and, and horrible stuff to people. And um, I was in deep darkness. I was in the, in the mirror. I was in, in I was in the. <laughs> In the in a bad spot, believe yeah. me. There, so I just cried out. I started. I saw that Daniel because I just read through Daniel in in this time. So Daniel did a, a twenty one day fast. Yes. On vegetables. Yeah. So I ate wheat products for twenty one days. That's all I ate. Yeah. And fasted, and uh, stuff started. You know, God was sort of Detoxing doing stuff. You. Yeah, de- yeah. And then uh, I, they put me on drugs to stop bringing drugs in. So I, um, I said, God, I've never been off drugs inside out, out of prison. I want to off them. I want to off these drugs. Totally. And so I prayed for a week, and you go down and put it under your tongue. In the meantime, you know, I'm on drugs. I'm reading the Bible. God's a little answering, giving me breadcrumbs to keep continuing me toward Him. It yeah, caused yeah. me to approach Him, as the Bible yes. says. And uh, I'm just going, I've never been off drugs. I want, I want out. I've never actually, I couldn't remember the last time I was off drugs. Clean. Yeah, clean. That where I had control yeah. of me. Yeah. And so I prayed for about a week. Uh, this is, you know, fasting and stuff. Prayed for a week. Went down there, put it under my tongue and it's, you know, dissolved. But I like, didn't let it dissolve. Spat it out in front of them and walked back. On the way back to my cell, it was like, Walking closer and closer to God, wow. I felt the joy of the Lord. And then I had to crash land. I crashed land for about a month because I was using heaps of drugs in there as well. So you went cold turkey now. Yeah, I started going cold turkey, right in the middle of it all, in in the middle of all the drugs in the prison system, and reading the Bible. That's all I had was him and me. So you stayed in the cell. Yeah, stayed in my cell. I'd go out. Uh, you, you know, you have to. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, you go out and uh, but I didn't talk to anyone. My one of my mates came in and he's going, "What's going on? Why aren't you coming out of the yard?" And so I read the Bible and he goes, "I said, who sent you?" And he said, "Satan sent him." So I punched him in the mouth and said, "Give that to Satan from me." <laughs> he was a good mate of mine. Yeah. Yeah, but he was bad. You know, yeah. I didn't know whether he was coming. He was a bad mate of yours. <laughs> a bad mate of mine. Yeah, <laughs> but it's supposed to be you know brother. Yeah. Anyway. We've made up since. He still he still considers me his friend, but he's walking in the wrong direction. So he probably needs another punch in the face. Maybe yeah. Let the righteous man strike me. Be a kindness. <laughs> no, he needs Jesus. He needs yeah. forgiveness. And maybe you know one day God will. But I uh, yeah I did the fast, um, calling out God. Uh, you know just um, throwing all my stuff out. Reading the book of Psalms, going back and forth, it's all starting to make, started to make sense. Scales are dropping off my eyes. It was really speaking to me. King David had real relevance. You know, the stuff he went through, I was sort of going through. You know, not exactly the same, but similar. He was paranoid. Yeah. I was paranoid. Uh, there was real dramas. Uh, 
and uh, it started really making sense to me. And I, I, I got off the drugs. Yeah. I dropped the drugs. And I said, God, I want to read the book of Psalms. This is a long story short. Read the book of Psalms perfectly to you. Every full stop, every comma, pause, read it well. Yeah. You know, as well as I thought I could. Yes. Because I, I didn't go to school and stuff, you know. So I, I started reading it because it was, it was giving me, it was encouraging me spiritually. There was an encouragement from God in the midst of pain and suffering and, uh, you know, detoxing. Yeah. I uh, read it and I said, if I go from one to 149 and I stutter or don't pronounce, correct, I'm going to go back to start again. To one. Back to start again. And that process... Took it, I believe, I don't know if the timeline, but between three to four weeks yes. of reading the book of Psalms. And like if I, I'd read the other, other books in the Bible, but when I'd go to the book of Psalms, I'd start from one and go, go back, go, you know yeah. that, for a few hours. And he won, won, anyway, one night I did it right and I was really encouraged by it. I yes. really felt good about, yeah. about it. I said, man, I'm going to do that again. Yeah. And um, read it, I read it again, and I was going through it really well. And I came to the spot apart. I should look at, should look the psalm up. I haven't got a good memory because of my past, but uh, it says God spoke to me at the thunders of Meribah. Yes. Yeah. And right at the full stop, thunder struck out over over myself. Yeah. Lightning. Someone yelled out because you can hear from from other other wings. Yes. It's all sort of connected. Someone said, "We're going to make God tomorrow," and I um, I don't know if it was twelve o'clock going one past, or whatever. If tomorrow was you know just rocking up, yes. But I just got hit with the power of God's love. All fear was gone. I felt in that moment. In that moment, just back, struck by, right at by the, God. I was struck by God. I believe that was a supernatural, yeah. a demonic breaking off me. Yeah. It was actually a real thunderstorm as well. Yeah. But I believe that I've heard of other. Stories that when people are getting stuff broken off, yeah, deep stuff, dark stuff, there was thunderstorms and stuff like that, and it broke off me, and I was just, I was just hit. I was felt perfect. I felt mighty, but not on my own. Yeah. nothing to do with me. I was in the presence of God. It was just this awesome, awesome, awesome love, and like I just nothing. Everything that was wrong went away, went away immediately. I can, continued on, even struggling with drugs. Guys were throwing drugs under my doors, door and that. Um, so I moved out of the unit, mm-hmm. um, into the unit. Where how how was, long was this prison sentence? This, this, I ended up getting nearly about two and a half years, to do two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Um, I moved into the unit where my enemies were. Okay. Yeah. You went guys, in, the, in the middle of... Because I wanted to move out away from my unit because of all the drugs... Crap was there. Yeah, it was everywhere else too. But if it wasn't my friends, it was a bit harder to get a hold of. Sure. So I was sort of distancing myself. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. Get your eyes out of there, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I left. And ended up in a unit where the guys were actually told or paid to get me, and then ah. they reneged on it and kept the money. They just robbed the dealer too. Basically, a lot of that goes on. Yeah. People, yeah, a lot of that goes on in the in the underworld. There's a lot of cutthroat. Just nothing's really on. Everyone's for himself. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they could see something different in me. Mm-hmm. Something was going on. Instead of me in the drug scene, I was out of it, reading the Bible in my cell every day. I'd leave my door open, even in their in their block. And um, 
they come and talk to me. So what's going on? And I'd say, God's real, man. God's real. You know, I've had this encounter. Yeah. I can't deny it. And just that was my evangelism with a lot of swear words. Yeah. Because <laughs> I right. That's, you know, I speaking, that's I was, who you were. I was speaking uh, criminal. Yeah. So, and uh, stayed there a while, got sentenced. Um, basically beat the charges in, in a way where God didn't, I didn't get any longer sentence. Yeah. Because I nearly killed this bloke. I should have been You could have been there for eight, very long years. Very long time. Long, very long time. And um, so you must have been in your early twenties now, or mid twenties. No, I was just turned thirty-three. Thirty-three. When I got oh, saved, okay. Okay. it was just after, just before my birthday, and um, I went from there up to Acacia Prison. Mm-hmm. Up there, there was a pastor called Brian Gray. So they moved you. They moved me. Yeah, I was from Casarina to Acacia. No, from Hakia to Acacia. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was strange because I always did high security, mm-hmm. uh, and they went. I went straight to medium. Anyway, um, while I was there, I was still reading the Bible, still praying. Uh, I've had this massive encounter with God. Uh, it's not wearing off. Yeah. At all, and um, it's real. Yeah, you can't once you once God says gives you an answer, you can't sort of deny. It, you can't ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Still a lot of me, old me, the rough edges, heaps of rough edges, you know, uh, God was working on. And um, I was sitting there reading the Bible one day, a pastor walked past. Yep. So Acacia Prison's good it's under the Council of Churches yeah, or something like that. And so they're going to have Pentecostal. Whatever yep. faith you believe, Pentecostal, Anglican, Catholic. Somebody's coming through. Someone's got, you've got to have that service. Yep. Yeah. So they've got... New, they've got a cater for everybody up there. Yeah. It's sort of, um, yeah, they've got a cater Multi-faith for... Multi-faith. Yeah, mul- yeah, yeah. So it is, actually. And so they've got to, you know, if there's evangelical or anything, you've got to, they've got to be there. So this pastor walked past my side and he saw me reading the Bible. I saw him on peripheral. Yeah. I saw him back up and he goes, you're safe, come with me. That's all he said. And, uh, I said, where to? And he goes, come up to the church and get on team leadership and uh, become part of them because they, they, had, they had a ministry. In the prison. Yeah. So you evangelise, hand out flight, do stuff exactly what's going on on the outside but yep. inside. Yeah. You know? Anyway, we are on team, team leadership. Had um, more authority than peer support in there. So we could go anywhere yep. in the prison our, our mandate was, you know, tell people about the Lord, but we could go anywhere than prison. And we we offered up urine tests. We wanted regular urine tests so they know we're not doing drugs between yeah. the box, all that sort of stuff. So we'd have good, you know. Um, we we had to um, we had to evangelize every Friday to like between forty and hundred guys coming in. Yeah. Because it's a little big turnover. Yeah. Um, and most of them my peers. So God crucified me. Yeah. Through this. This pastor, we, we used to, he picked up not only me, but another guy who had a massive encounter with Jesus yeah. in another pr- prison. And uh, we used to pray against him because we couldn't argue with him about, he'd go, right, we're going to evangelize. You got to go tell him about Jesus, tell him to come to church. Yeah. You got to go do this. This is all, and I've got to go speak to all my peers, the people I grew up with. Yeah. You know, 
all my reputation was now being crucified. <laughs> yeah. And uh, tell people, that, you know, tell, get to church, going to hell. You know, really rough as, and but we guys started coming to church and ended up, you know, long story short, baptizing guys in yards, casting spirits out of people. We saw the Holy Spirit, you know, one guy's, guys from the middle of the desert, never read and write. Yeah. Never read the Bible in their lives, get hit by the power of the Holy Spirit and start quoting Psalms. <laughs> I'm telling you, we so pray for people who are going operate in tables and miracles are happening. God, yep. we, like I drew in close to God. That's, you know, this is a different time frame, but a lot. Um, I ended up moving into another block with all my enemies. Yeah. Uh, this I could go, like, there's so many miracles that God has done in my life. Yeah. I could go on all night. Yeah. So I've got to sort of piece it together, you know, without going on about it all night. Um, just one example, I moved in, when I was down in Haitia, a guy tried, Aboriginal guy tried taking my sand shoes off me, mm-hmm. so I broke his jaw. Oh. And his family is one of the biggest families in the prison system, and they were going to kill me. Yeah. And I ended up, I had to get Leading them to the Lord. No, no, I didn't lead them to the Lord. Well, basically, sort of, uh, they... Um, I had to go, I moved down into the worst of the worst unit. I wanted to be humble. Yeah. So I knocked around with all the, you know. The, the worst. The worst of the worst. But I was trying to lead them to the Lord. This yeah. is my idea of things. And then I thought, no, I've been here long enough. I'm going to go to self-care, which is like a self-contained unit. Mm-hmm. And you look after yourself. You cook, you yeah, do your own thing. And we were, all, we were all conspiring to get a Christian unit happening because they had bikey units. They had Muslim units, they had Buddhist units. <laughs> we wanted a Christian unit. So and that by that time, anyway, so I had to move in to, you, you got to transit from the worst yeah. to the medium to, to the best. And um, the unit they moved me to was with more, all my enemies. Because ah. they, they said, they sent a message, you as soon as we can get a hold of you, you're We're gone. And so in, I'm in there, I'm getting, by this time I'm getting special meals made like health meals, because you can, you can sort of, you know, tell the doctor you need to get healthy. Yeah. Uh, and he'll get you, you know, Benefits. a health menu. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. I'm, first night I moved into that unit, I'm surrounded by this, this family. They're all looking at me, giving me dirty looks. Ready I'm thinking, to eat your life. I'm thinking, here we go. It's going to be on. And uh, the word of God came down in my head. You know the gentle, soft visit uh, voice of God there, yeah. there, and said, "If my enemy is uh, if your enemy is hungry, feed him." And I said, "I had these salads stocked up, these nice ones, olives and mushrooms and that." And I said, "Do you boys want a salad?" I said, "Who wants a salad?" In this? Yeah. And they went, "Oh yeah, I'll have it." They probably would have taken it off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It. Yeah. Or attempted to. Yeah, but uh. So I gave it to them, and by the time I left that unit, they used to tell me that, like, they used to use drugs, and they used to say, read the book of Revelations to me. Because <laughs> I used to tell other talk about God with other guys that yeah. were interested in God through the doors, because the doors were vents. Yes. So you could hear each other quite easily. And they go, tell read the book of Revelations. What does that mean? What do you think it means? And ask questions and all of that. And they saw me going to church regularly yeah. and taking other guys to church. It was just something God put in me. Instead, you know, you got to encourage other people. You know, evangelize. You know, the Book of Timothy. Stir up the gift that's within you. Yes. I thought the God. Well, I believe the, the letter was 
written the Bible's written to me as it was yes. to you. Yeah. Because it's by you know the Rhema word. Sure. It was, it was just like everything. Yeah, so I, I started doing those things. Um anyway, by the time I left that unit, you know, the Bible says when you when God is pleased with you, he'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. That's what he did in the first place. And in the second place, you know, I offered a meal and they became my friends. They said, we're not, you know, yeah. he deserves it basically. And uh we uh, became friends, when, you know, when I left, I said, see you later, man, you know, and all of that. And uh, I ended up in self-care. We, we got a virtually the full unit was full of Christians. Uh, Christian, you know, boys are pretty hectic and yeah. but encountered, had encounters with God through whatever situation led them there. And um, we'd just uh, be on team leadership, doing Bible studies in every unit uh, we could go to. Yeah. And we could go to any unit, even protection. Yeah. And like, for me, in the government prisons, if protection prisoners, they'll get marched past us, back and forth, they're all guarded. Yeah. If they're coming anywhere near me, they say, stains up against the wall, turn around, face, do not look at them. Right? Because yeah. I think I was going to attack one of them or something. I was now going into protection yeah. and doing Bible studies. <laughs> I had the license to the prison. Yeah. This is the truth. God gave, gave me full license to... Well, gave up not only me but other guys yeah. full license to I was baptizing guys in yards we were full on miracles I, I had asking God give me a sign make a bird land and the bird would land then walk around me and then I'd said to the guy because I was concerned yeah. about his salvation because he'd come up with great stuff but I knew he was using drugs yeah I'd say man what, how are you going with the drugs you know I said you know and he's telling me he's, he's telling me his stuff because I'm doing ministry with him sure and I said, mate, I said to God in my heart, in my head, you know, I was thinking to God. Yeah. Now, I said, God, you, if this guy's saved, mate, that bird on the, on the fence land, yeah. come yeah. down and land here, and the bird did. And it landed and walked around us. I walked over near me. Yeah. And he goes, wow. I said, you know what, I just asked God, and I told him. And yeah. he goes, tell him to do it again. Right, because the bird flew yeah. back. I went, all right, God, if this guy's saved. Uh, bring that bird down again. Bring the, yeah. And uh, his name's um, Andrew Godfrey. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the bird did. And not only walked between my legs, walked between his legs. And wow. it just flew us away. Yeah. But I saw so many, so many miracles. Like we, cause we started up a Christian video channel in there. Mm-hmm. When I was in there, I was watching the TV stations. Yeah. They got three video channels, 24 hours a day. They're all gangster movies. Mm-hmm. And I looked around and I saw all the young guys to draw night ticks on their pants, pretending that they've got these jail hats. They're yeah. making them like the American gangster hats. Yeah. Drawings all over them, walking around, doing this. Yeah. The moves and everything, like a spirit was taken over them. I didn't know, you know. So I thought, this is influencing them. Of course. This is a private prison. They're, they're, they're doing it. They, yeah. they want them in. Yeah, they want repeat, they want repeat customers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I went up to a team leadership meeting and I said to the pastors and the priests, because we had priest pastors from different denominations. You asked for a Christian said, channel. We yeah. needed a Christian channel. And they went, oh, well, yeah, you know, that was our, on our mandate five years ago when the place yeah. opened. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. I said, yeah, well, we need, I said, we need um, I said, Christian movies. I said, feel good movies with morals like Saving Private Ryan sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something with a higher, yeah. with, with some heroic. value, heroic, yeah. good, you yeah. know, 
feel good movies and documentaries. Yeah. Healthy stuff. Yeah. I said the guys need the guys needs a break from yeah. that stuff because they've been influenced. I got told by a psych that she thought I was crazy. She goes, Do you think this is a conspiracy? And I told her about I said, Do you think it's a bit strange in the prison? Because she was doing my uh, assessment. assessment for court. Yeah. I said, Do you think it's strange in a prison where people are supposed to be rehabilitated? That they're playing gangster movies 24 hours a day in three channels, yeah, live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she goes, Do you think this is a conspiracy? Like, she just get it. Uh, <laughs> I said, No, I just don't think you guys know what you're doing. Yeah. I said, Everyone's drinking Coke and wearing Nikes because of advertisement. Yeah, and I said, Now these guys are running around like criminals because yeah. of the, the stuff you're feeding them in here. Yeah, and she just went, just disarmed her. And, you know, I never thought that I'd have that sort of intelligence. Yeah. But I believe it was from God. So we started the channel. We didn't have any resistance from Muslims, and there's a big Muslim crew in there. Uh, any of the atheists, we didn't have any resistance from any prisoners, Buddhists, yeah. or any other denominations. Uh, we had all the resistance came from the prison staff. They broke our DVD players, snapped the DVDs. We bought a, like a wall. Yeah. All the boys paid for it. Walls yep. of DVDs. Yeah. Walls of movies. Yeah. A huge amount, huge amount. And it's still going today. And one night we're all in the Christian unit and we're praying and all the other video channels were on except for ours because we had it approved. We had yep. a, we had a, the superintendent, he was, he wasn't a Christian, but he was very lenient towards Christians. Yeah. It was God. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, so he allowed it to happen, but they were playing games with it. So we were praying, we were praying there one night. And I said, "God, listen, this is your video channel. We paid for it. It belongs yeah. to you yeah. and us." I said, "If we can't watch any movies, don't let anyone watch any movies." That's what I said. And right then, the whole across the whole prison, all the, all the TVs went off for one hour, for one for yeah. one exact hour, and then they came back on. And one of the guys came from the other cell because we were allowed to stay out of the cells till nine o'clock. Yeah. Because, and he comes running in and goes, the channel's on. I believe God sent someone. <laughs> and the channels were on. That was one of many miracles. Miracles. We, I saw so many people. I've seen the prison chapel full to the brim. Yeah. You can't move in there. They always started denying people coming to church. Because there was too many people in one place, Hallelujah. and if so, something went wrong, yeah. they wouldn't be able to contain it. But it was yeah. they; no one was there for any wrong. Yeah, I would get up and say, "If you're up here getting drugs, or you know, passing stuff from different different units, get out now. Yeah. You're not here for God. Don't be here." And God just gave me this real boldness, this courage yeah. to oppose the things that are evil. Yeah. in there, and oppose it. They're not fear. You know, yeah. they're saying things that they can get in a lot of trouble. But I, I, I confronted a lot of stuff with gang members and other things, you know, that were contrary to the way of thinking in there. Yeah. That nothing came back on me ever. I just front confront stuff yeah. in the boldness of the Holy Spirit, like serious people, and God just covered me. God covered me. He wanted me to say things that yeah. needed to be said. So we wanted, you know, a rehabilitation system that worked. So we got um, Christian... Christian um, programs in there. Yeah, we did theology. The, they had theology in there and everything, yeah. you know. And so we started getting right into it, you know. And Pastor Brian Gray would get yeah. us out. We'd be doing flyers and you know tracks. We made yeah. up tracks. 
to go <laughs> hand them out. We're doing the stuff that they send guys out to do on the streets, sure. but we're doing it in, in, the, in prison. the prison system. And because yeah. it's so dark in there, mm. well, I see heaps of miracles out here anyway, Yeah, but it's because it's very dark in there, you see a lot of full-on miracles. You see, like, when you know, I was fasting... Uh, eight days, I thought I'm going to f- try fasting. So I yeah. took, got one orange. I used to take two oranges to myself yeah. and a tea, a mug of tea, and eat one orange Yes. and leave the other one there Yeah. to resist, you know. Yeah. And just I wasn't doing it for any other reason, just to see if I could fast. Yeah. Like with nothing yeah. apart from that, you know. And um, so I did that for nine days. On the seventh day, I cooked 100, about 120 hamburgers for a big family event because yeah. you can have family come in on, yeah. on the oval and have... And know, you didn't eat anything. Didn't eat anything, no. What year was this? Uh, that was 2004. Yeah. So 2003... Do you know that we were coming? I was coming and playing soccer uh, with the inmates. Oh, yeah, there was a team coming in there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I probably came and played soccer during that time against yeah. the guys. We used to come in on the weekends, maybe once every three, four months. Yeah, I remember those those things happening. I used to I actually used to work for recreation. Okay. Yeah. So that's. So I, it was. It's probably very likely that we played. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. when you were there. Yeah. I think you did. I can remember. I can recall that. Yeah. Um. So where was I? So yeah, you you cooked some hamburgers. Oh, yeah, and I put it in. Yeah. And touched and none. And you didn't touch, eat. touch none. And uh, that Sunday, so the hamburgers were Saturday, sorry. That Sunday, I was, there was an evangelist, a guy, well-known prison prisoner that yeah. was full on for God. He came in. But, no, no, he was well, in he was prison. Really in. He got yeah. locked up. He, was, he wasn't a perfect yeah. Christian, but he got locked up and he just was going flat out for God. So we're, he was on, got on team leadership with us. Yeah. And we're going around um, praying, prayer meetings. I just started praying in tongues. Uh, in his, they said, you pray in tongues? And I said, I think so. And I just started praying in tongues. So just was, like that? Just yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> no one touched my head or anything like that. just happened. So I started yeah. praying in tongues. Anyway, um, every time we were praying in tongues, because we made it his cell, because I was at another unit, I'd come down, we'd pray in the morning. This guy up the back would be swearing, carried. As soon as you start praying, yeah, manifesting. Yeah. Praying, manifesting. Yeah. So he's gone in front of that situation. But anyway, while I was down, downstairs, we're talking to guys evangelizing yeah. after we left it, you know, we pray up and go out. He was giving me sort of the concepts of evangelism yeah. and that. And uh, this guy came up to me. Um, I was fasting, you know, obviously, and he's, tw- he's twitching. Uh-huh. And he goes, I've been told to come to you. I said, what for? I didn't know. Like, he's going yeah. uh, like this. And uh, he goes, to get these monkeys off my back. Oh. I said, monkeys. I thought he was a bit crazy. Yeah. I said, monkeys. And I went, ah, evil spirits. And he goes, yeah. And I said, you can't do it here. We've got to go down to his cell. And I went down to his cell. And I've never done it before. Yeah. No one's taught me. Yeah. I've never been, you know. In and school. <laughs> uh, so I've just, I, he had it from steroid abuse and summoning demons into him in, in his gang to be more violent. Yeah. Uh, from, so from the steroid abuse, he had a, a ball, a, a lump on the back of his neck about yeah. that big. Yeah. So I prayed for that first. That went down in front of my eyes. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was like full on. Then I put my hand on his head 
And I just started screaming, get out in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, come out. And his face and his body, like his neck, there was something I could see moving, like yeah. unnaturally. Yeah. Un- and his face was contorting and like it was coming out. I could smell them coming past me. And there's heaps of them. And when I was, and those cells, you can't, you can hear everything in yeah. other people's cells. Now I'm going on with it in the name of Jesus Christ. Get out right now, yada, yada. And um, praying. And it came to a place where we believed he was free. Yes. Yeah. But he'd call me down there. Instead of calling the priests, he'd get the priests to call me and come down there and cleanse yeah. his room out because he felt they'd come back. Yeah. I said, man, you got to read. you got to fill that empty space yeah. with God now. Yeah. You've got to continue on. You've got to get up there to church. You've got to you've got to just get in the presence of God as much as you can. He did as long as I was there, as long yeah. as he was there, sorry, because yeah. I was yeah. like there longer than him. Then I don't know what happened to him mm-hmm. after that. But there was a, a few occasions where he called me back to clean his, clean his room out. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I did that. Yeah, right. I just said, get out in the name of Jesus, plead the blood. So when they assessed you before you, uh, you know, before you left, yeah. Um, did they see the change in you? Did they notice it? Oh yeah, went all the way to head office. Yeah, head office knew about. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, yeah. They all knew that I was saved. Everybody in the prison system. Do they actually believe that people do turn around in Christ? Is there enough evidence for them? Yeah, there is. There is, but you know the the, the enemy darkens minds. Yeah. So you know he can steal something, and. So I've noticed this in the prison system. God will shine his light in there yeah. and there'll be a lot of men get saved. Yeah. Like, you know, even recently up, up there, because I pray for the prison system sure. regularly. And I talked, I'm still one of the pastors, married myself and my wife. Yeah. And he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he tells me what's going on up there, you know. Yeah. And, you know, there's revivals happen up there still. Are you allowed to go back in or not? Uh, after next year. I'll, Ten years. I'm going to clear my record, yeah, okay. and then, yeah, maybe get in there, yeah. But it's up to them. So when, pretty, yeah. when you left, what did you do when you were back in, in civilization? You went in a transition house? No, when I got out, I just went basically back to my mum's. Um, she was back in Perth? Mum's back, yeah, back in Perth. We connected. Back at my mum's, there was sort of too much damage done there. Love my mum. Don't yeah. worry, she had mental illness and she's pretty messed up and broken. She was tortured and terrorised as a child as well. So I, I could understand where, when I was younger, I couldn't understand. Yeah. But when I got older, I sort of understood where she was at because I've been through it myself. Yeah. With post-traumatic stress syndrome and all the psychosis and craziness I was going through. And, um, but it still, I don't know, brought up old stuff in me. I stayed away from drugs for about a year, going to church, had a girlfriend, but yep. I started living in sin. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't see what I saw going on in the prison system out here. No. We saw every day. another, another yeah. world here. It was another world. It's a different principle, yeah. principality. It's yeah. a different yeah. level. Yeah. And I was in deep darkness there, and you see the light shone really bright. Yeah. Out here, it's a little bit dimmer. Yeah. But unless you go out and, yeah. and purposely look into it. Yeah. And so I got a little bit disheartened and used that as every drug, ex-drug addict does. As an excuse, one, that was one of many reasons to live in sin, you know, test the boundaries of a God. 
yeah. did, as you do with all your parents. Yeah. You know, test my boundaries, see how much he really loves me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the unconditional stuff. And uh, went out and lived and went t- twice as bad. Everything went twice as bad for me. Uh, went around the mountain three times. Three times, sorry, four times. Three times revivals broke out. And when I'd go back, repent, ask God's forgiveness and just start praying. You know, I used to pray five hours on my knees. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Read the Bible umpteen times. It's not about all that. But yeah. I really knew in prison, you know, Nelson Mandela said, if you can't find God in prison, you'll never find him. Yeah. You've got that much time. Yeah. You can really get into the presence of God. Mm. And I used to love it. Get on, you know, put on Hillsong. Someone smuggled me a Hillsong album. In. album. I'd just get it, praise God, you know, and other songs I had and just pray to him and then God would start happening. Yeah. You know, around the place, people come in. I was leading 19 guys a day. Like, yeah. Like one would leave, another one come in, telling me all this stuff, ask me to pray for him, lead him to the Lord. Yeah. Toughest, Next. yeah. Crying, all sorts of stuff, you know. Baptizing guys in the yards, the Muslims going, yeah. Like, yeah, full of, one guy had a broken neck in a few places. They, he, was, he was a villain, so they didn't give him any medication. Oh, sorry, he was on medication. Yeah. They didn't give him a neck brace. Brace. Yeah. And he's in chronic pain all the time. He said, I want to get, he goes, I got baptized, but I didn't feel the presence of God. Do it again. Get, yeah. So <laughs> I said, God, if you want, him, want me to baptize him, mate, give me a sign. I want you to put a, I said, give me a sign, put a bin. Because the bin's always got to be in a certain area. Yeah. Everything's in its place in the prison system. It can't be moved. Yes. Under that tap over there. So you can and, put, and there, put him in the water. Yeah. And if a bin's in the wrong spot, believe me, a prison officer is going to go, right, get the guy who moves the bins to put them back. You know, yeah. That bin stayed there for a week. No one touched it. Underneath the tap. So we baptised three guys. A non-believer helped me. Yeah. Yeah. We got a bin full of water, 80 litres. Yeah. Got him on his knees. I went first in the middle of winter yeah. just to break the ice. And I went first, so, you know, and uh, then they did. We prayed that God would bury the brokenness, the broken neck, heal him, yeah. and he'd be set free. We asked God to set him free from the morphine because he was on morphine yeah. for the for the neck, yeah. neck injuries. A year later after that happened, we baptised him. Oh, two days later, sorry. I'll tell you the year later thing anyway, later. Two days later, I'm walking up and down with him. He's feeling like he's at a different level. Yeah. He's at peace. Yeah. Nothing. He hasn't got a problem. Yeah. But he said this, I've got one thing irritating me, Kendall. He goes, I think I'm a homosexual. And I said, why? And I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah. There's nothing that could have given me this answer. Yeah. Other than God. Yeah. And uh, I said, why do you think you're homosexual? He goes, I was raped by a high-profile man in Perth. Yeah. As a child. And... He had got an erection in, in the while he was getting raped, so he's always thought that, that he was you. he was a homosexual. Yeah. And I went, mate, lift your arm up, and he lifted his arm up, and I tickled. Him. Yeah. I said, Does that tickle? And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, you just had a natural reaction to an unnatural event that took place in your life. I said, you're not gay, and he just broke down. It broke off him. Hallelujah. Broke off him. A year later, he wrote me. He went to another prison. Yeah. Later on, you know, a few months after that, a year later, he was playing football. Yeah. With he's supposed to have broken neck. Yeah. He said hallelujah, even though yeah. the year though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, because yeah. he was, you know, he knows the Bible and stuff. I'll fear no evil. And he goes, yeah. he goes, I run through the guys. Don't, you know, I get yeah. hit. Nothing happens. And he was in chronic pain, so God had healed him. I'd seen stuff 
I've saw God doing stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I want to see God do out here. You know. Yeah. Anyway, so I saw revivals. Every three times I went back in there because you can either get to God the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> you I was the hard way. way. <laughs> <laughs> Extra hard. Manipulate him. Do what I want. I'll yeah. do. You know. Uh, Attempt to manipulate him. He's a good dad. You can't manipulate him. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows what you're up to. He told me he trusted me once when I backslid. He told me I heard his audible voice saying, I trust you. And I went and back, you know, went around the mountain three times after that. Each time God used me to lead lots of men, myself and other people. Yeah. That backslid too. Christians that got saved massively in, in the prison system had a really uh, to uh, lead a lot of men to the Lord. Yeah. And the fourth time, um, there was nothing. God had left left the building. Yeah. It was very hard. It was like I was speaking to a brass ceiling. Nothing. Said, nothing. Um, I'd been hit in the head with an axe um, just before I came in from behind by a friend of mine in a battle that we were having with these drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so this is after you still you went yeah. back to that world, but I went back. Yeah, I went. It went got but it got worse. It's, it's better not knowing the way. Yeah, yeah, and then of going back because it gets worse. It yeah. does everything the Bible says. Factual happened. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I manipulated God. I was the bad teenager. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I tested every boundary you could. Yeah, I got to a place. You know, where God was using me in the prison system. Yeah, the three times. Yeah. So that justified my actions. Yeah. I thought, oh, he's still there. But he was always available to be used. So he just used He wasn't a user, you know, but he was using me. Yeah. Because there's people he wanted to re-reach. But the fourth time I went back, he withdrew. Yeah. And I came, you know, I got back into the prison system. I had a massive head wound. I was there. I said, God, you know, I've done these crimes. They were serious crimes. I should be doing 30 years jail. This, yeah. is, this is the truth. I never murdered anyone. I wasn't a rapist yeah. or anything like that. You know, that doesn't matter. I was yeah. still in his sight, a sinner. Yeah. Um, and I opened the Bible. And the Bible says, God will wound the hairy scalp of his enemies, of those who still go on in this, their trespasses. It was uncanny that my, my good Your head, my head, <laughs> I hit in the back of the head, full on. That scripture had to be fulfilled in yeah. your life as well. Exactly. All right. And, uh, then you know what God said to um, David about his sons? If they play up, they're still going to suffer the consequences, yeah. but I'll show them mercy. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Anyway, I read that and I knew it was God and I looked up. I was under the, the severe ju- well, judgment. 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 I looked up and it said, don't worry, brother. Jesus is on your side. <laughs> it's the truth written on the, on the, on the light. And I, I cried. And I kept going to church, but God was withholding, holding himself back. I ended up in the same prison cell, full circle, same prison cell as I had the massive encounter in the first first place. Back in jail. Back in jail, same block, same prison cell, same number, D cell. And I've just gone, that's it. I surrender. I surrender. I had my foot in both camps. God, you know, Jesus says, lukewarm. You can't do that. There is a place... You know, the terrors of God did fall back on me. Yeah. He took his, he withdrew his hand. And the terrors did, it's, it's a shocking fear. It's, yeah. It's, it's horrifying. I've been shot at. I've been in shootouts, stabbed, like full-on wars where yeah. 
blokes would go with me yeah. because they knew that I could handle myself. Yeah. But that fear is something that you just don't it's you don't want to fear. Yeah. You don't want to know. Yeah. It's 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 you know, it says consider the goodness and severity of God. It's a it's a what's to say a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah. And that's how it felt. I was in the hands of the living God, I was under judgment. I'd mocked him again. Yeah. Uh, I just went, that's it, I surrender. Went through my sentence. At the same time, my wife was getting saved and everything because yeah. I told her about Jesus in a stolen car. <laughs> I told her about Jesus in a stolen car. <laughs> That's <laughs> cute. And uh, she thought it was crazy at first. She tell you, she's got another testimony, but yeah. she thought it was crazy. So who's this guy? He's like feared and treacherous yeah. and he's telling me about Jesus, you know, and she got ended up getting saved too. We're now married, but she's full on for God, worship, you know. Preachers, evangelists as well, but um, you have children as well. No, we're trying for children now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got children from my past life. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, okay. and grand grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just surrendered in that prison cell. I knew it. By then, I had learnt enough about you know God's transactions with man. Yeah. To know where I was at spiritually. Yeah. And what I was, I was around the mountain. It bring me straight back. Yeah. To where I to where I began, as he did to the Israelites, till I had to learn. I had to learn something from him. Yeah. He he, he humbled me. Yeah. You know, because God was using me, I got a bit of an ego mm-hmm. that I was all right. I was in. I was right, and even pastors and priests that I debate with and that were wrong. Mm-hmm. I was a bit of a prideful Christian. Yeah. There. So God pulled the rug out from under under me, and a lot of what I've learned so much. You look at like with God, he looks at you. When he points at you, you actually see what's going on with you. So I just surrendered. By that time, my wife was uh, going to Victory Life. She got saved. Then she went to Without Walls and just continued on there. So you were married when you came out and then you went back to prison? No. No, no. You were married after? Yeah, so we lived in sin. And that living in sin... I can tell you the truth. I know, but a lot of guys don't believe this. Yeah. God cleaned me up. Yeah. Cigarettes, drugs, yeah. the whole life. Didn't even desire them. No. I'm telling you the truth. But the sexual sin, yeah. as soon as I started playing with that, that would open everything else. Everything else. All those desires would come back up, just like the floodgates would open. And then I'd just, you know, in fact, was any what, one of them yeah. would have opened the door Anyone. to every, yeah. everything else. But we think the innocent one is yes. it's natural, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, so, it, and I knew better. Yeah. I, knew, I did know better. I was, yeah. you know. It, is, it was a choice. Yeah. And I had to repent of that. I got out. I was still, I lived in sin with my to-be wife. Um, then it came to a place where I just started, well, I got out. I, I, I lapsed the first day. And then two weeks later, then my drug dealer said, listen, Kendall, I'm not going to give you any more free drugs. Yeah. Because I told him about Jesus off. I was, that's what I did. Talk to, <laughs> talk to him about Jesus all night. And we were on drugs, you know. And uh, take it, and I took some heroin to come down. And he goes, "Look, I'm not going to give you any because people would give me free drugs to be around because yeah. they would be protected. Think you know, think they'd be protected. That was comfortable. I was like there, yeah. And he goes, so "I'm not going to give you any more free drugs." And he goes, "Even if you pay for them, mate, I'm not going to sell them to you." He goes, "You're too good for this." He goes, "You know." Yeah. And I knew I counted that. I was, that was him. Yeah, it's God. And I went, right, that's it. 
That was it. When I dried out, I wasn't even didn't have a yeah. habit or anything. I used I used once, and then two weeks later, I used again. You know, and um, thought, well, I'll just go volunteer down at Victory Life. I started serving, putting food hampers out, yep. set, setting yep. them up, and yep. I ran into a lady that needed help, and she introduced me to a doctor. She wanted me to talk on her son's behalf to get him out of prison into a rehab, yep. and also talk to her son about a case. Yeah. And I actually got him up, well, by my direction to his lawyer, he gave me permission yep. to talk to his lawyer, I had to sign some stuff. By my direction, got him off. Yeah. Because he was legally not guilty. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a case where I got him off at a loophole. Yeah. Um, and then when I went to meet a doctor on his behalf to get him out into a rehab, she couldn't, she goes, I'm not articulate, Kendall, I can't, I wasn't, I didn't yeah. think I was articulate either. She goes, can you come and talk to this doctor? Because I used to speak to everyone in there. Yeah. All the people. So I went there and spoke to the doctor. And as soon as uh, he opened the door, he goes, "Do you want a house rent free? Looking after guys coming coming out of, in, out of, out of recovery? Oh, out of yeah, yeah, transition and, uh, house. Yeah. So I I thought, well, he Might goes, well. come for a drive. I've got to go over there. And he had a guy from Sydney there. Yeah. It's had the house for t- two houses for two years. Yeah. They were crack houses. Yeah. They were, he was about standing over all their all his staff. Yeah. He'd been there living rent free for two years. They're all terrified of him. He just smashed the house up. Took me to the place in Alexander Heights. Yeah. To show me the places that night. He's a bit of an eccentric, George O'Neill. Right. And uh I've gotten there and all the police that used to chase me were there. Oh. And I'm like freaking out. Like yeah. these are my enemies. Yeah, yeah. They like considered. Yeah. And I'm there. So they hated yeah. me, you know. And George is going, Oh, Kendall's gonna be running the place. I wasn't. I didn't even make a decision by then. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it shook the policeman's hands, and it was like a real challenge for me to be in that position. And then we, you know, I talked to the guy that was standing over everyone and smashed the house up. And that I ended up getting him out of there a couple of weeks later yeah. for him. And then I was, I was living in sin at that time, uh, and I, th- I thought, is this from God? You know. So I took Emma there. I showed her. There's a house rent-free, you know, looking after a house next door. So you're in this house with these guys and yeah. you're helping them recover. Attempt to re- recover. Attempt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Challenges so, all around you. Full on challenges. The complete opposite to what I used to do. So God was crucifying me again. Um, I now had to be responsible for other people. Yeah. I had to, I had to deal with situations that were full on. Like fights, day and night, fight yeah, day and night. Feeding minutes. them, no, not feeding them. They they looked after themselves. We take them shopping and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, it was, but they were a mess. The yeah. the, the, the the rehab that we were, look, we were working or volunteering for, um, would feed them drugs to get them off drugs. So yeah, uh, we got and because of my background. He said, I'll get all the worst of the worst. The ones yeah. they can't handle, they'll yeah. drive me next door to me. Yeah. And we got the worst of the worst. I'm yeah. telling you now. We got full on, there was some full on stuff I, yeah, that went on. And I put a bloke in hospital, to be honest. He, he attacked me and several others. He attacked nurses and everything all day for six yeah. hours. They had like complete mercy for the, for these guys. Some of these guys are too were, much. Too much mercy. That was yeah. destructive. Yeah. To not only the clinic but other people. Yeah, I actually worked there. I, I volunteered there, thinking I'd be accountable, responsible, yeah. all of this stuff. But it was completely 
Madness. Madness. And God used that madness. It was like being in the drug scene, yeah. tr- but try and following God. Yeah. Use that madness to actually make me despise evil. It says despise what is evil, yeah. cling hate. to what is good. Yeah, I hate it. And he turned me. Yeah. On it. And um, when I put that guy in hospital, I went, I rang the police. I said, look, I've hospitalized the guy. Uh, the clinic, this guy was trying to attack everyone. Yeah. But there was full on violence all yeah. day for six hours. Yeah. And I, it just caught me off guard. And the old man rose up and dealt with him the wrong way, rang the police. I rang the police on myself. They came up. Yeah. They made inquiries. I was just like in the prison cell, in the lockup at Warwick Police Station. I said, God, I'm gone. You know, I've done this. Back to prison. <laughs> going back to God, prison, you know. And uh, I put my head up to the police. I said, you're going home. We're not charging it. Self-defense. Yeah. Right? And because um, of all the incidents, there was yeah. a number of this guy was, yeah. and this guy was in that rehab for ro- roid rage. Okay. Taking too many steroids yep. and going crazy, yep. attacking people. And so that's what he did. He'd done a lot of bad things within the rehab yep. with all other villains. And, they, I was, and it was getting really out of hand. And he came back to the, the, the house that I was looking after, wanting to fight everyone drunk. And they were going to, it was going to get really serious man, yep. and, caught, and caught me completely off guard. So I realized then that I had to stop living in sin because I really hurt him and I was taken control of or something else. It was a, uh, an open door there. It was an open door there. I knew it because it's not something I wanted to do. It mm-hmm. just took control of me. It was like not myself doing it. Yeah. So I realised then I had to get off out of my, get off, well, my wife's now's bed and get on the couch. Uh, she had a girl in recovery yeah. on her bed, one on the floor. We had other people living in other rooms yeah. plus the house floor next door. Of all people recovering, I used to pray late into the night. You, I really started dealing with principalities of darkness, powers, yeah. Of, yeah, and um, just started praying, talking to God. There was really nothing for the guys to do there. It was just it was it was a crazy situation. There was nothing for them to do. Yeah, there was no no pastime. No, that is bored all the time. And on the dole, sitting in these houses, just you know, idle hands of the devil's playground. So they'd yeah. go off and do stupid stuff yeah. and come back and they'd be fighting and drugs and ODs yeah. and just, I was confiscated, within three months of getting out of jail, I was confiscating drugs. I had to put them away and wait for people to come out to get them, document them and take them and dispose <laughs> of them. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, it, the, the temptation, temptation was there. Yeah. But I just, it would be nipped in the bud very quickly. Yeah, you wouldn't let it. And I didn't touch them. Yeah. Yeah. Then I was smoking cigarettes. I got smoking cigarettes by then, but and then I, I quit in that time as well. And um, when did marriage happen? Well, about two two years after that. Yeah, I was sleeping on the couch. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get married. I thought I was going to go to Syria. <laughs> that was my way out of marriage. But uh, what did you want to do in Syria? Go, save the world. Yeah, go and save the Christian uh, uh, refugees. Kurds, the Kurds going. Yeah, yeah, and the Assyrians. There's a lot of Syrian Christians getting persecuted yeah. over there. So, yeah, I didn't like what I was saying, ISIS doing stuff. But, um, so what made you ask uh, this this beautiful lady to marry you? Um, she's my best friend. Like, I asked her to marry. We were engaged. You know, I asked her to marry me a long time before that. Yeah. I was sort of stepping around it. And I had to be, right. I had to have this process. I had to go through this this process 
with God. Yeah. You know, I had to be off the couch. There were some things he had to deal with me, within me. You know, I never lived normally in my whole life. Yeah. And uh, we so we um we started rescuing people for God. Mm-hmm. And um, just God started showing up. Yeah. In, in in situations, I just um, there was nothing going on for the guys. So I said, right, you're doing what I'm doing. And I, was, yeah. I was going to prayer meetings. Yeah. Uh, we started up the men's group. Yeah. Prayer meetings, men's group, every church service. I was going to every church service. Yeah. Weekdays and everything. Because I was on the dolls, right? Yeah. And um, didn't have a license. I lost my license for 103 years. That was a miracle. <laughs> got one. Yeah. yeah. Got one back. Um, just, I had to process I had to process with God. I had to be able to start carrying some weight. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. Believe me, it was like, it was very sacrificial. Official. Yeah. You become a servant to everybody. Yes. Uh, you lay, you start really learning about what laying down your life is mm. for Christ. And we had to just, not only myself, but my wife. So, because yeah. I had no license then. So she was driving me around yeah. and driving everybody else around. Yeah. And then we were catching buses everywhere because she lost the license for three months because of something I did in her vehicle years ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she's been through the mill for me. And um, yeah, I just got fed up with that working for those guys because they were just feeding people drugs, you know, medications to get yeah. them off. And these drugs, that these, that's drugs. That's drugs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to do it myself, yeah. you know. So I knew I'd argue with them regularly yeah. about how to get off drugs. Yeah. And I was off drugs. Yeah. And my wife was off drugs. Yeah. And they wanted to try and put implants into us and stuff. So it was very, you know, and then I started rehabilitating people in my side of the property. Yeah. That weren't getting implants and doing their protocols. Yeah. So they got sort of angry with me. We had a big argument and uh, I, I got thrown at, well, I got sacked. <laughs> got sacked. From a volunteer position. Was, yeah, from a volunteer position. And in five minutes had a new house. Brad, we moved from an old, when we moved into the house, it was a crack house, it was stolen goods. Yeah. There was four industrial size eight cube bins full of crap, needle, everything you could possibly think of. Yeah. We cleaned them up. They would, the, the last people before us that were looking after the guys were deal, sell, growing drugs in the roof and getting the guys to sell drugs for them. Yeah. That was their carers. <laughs> it was bad. So I walked into a big mess. Yeah. We cleaned it up. We painted both houses. We cleaned it right up. We we got all the rubbish out. We found um, a $10,000 diamond ring. It was stolen. We gave it to the police. They, yeah. You know, we doing, started doing things right. Um, you know, we start. it was just a mess. And yeah. I, 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 me having God's righteousness swelling up in me. Yeah. Because it wasn't, a, you know... Ex crim moving into that situation, thinking a house rent free, and I can use drugs there if I wanted to. And paradise, paradise, but it wasn't because God had the indignation, the, the indignation of God in me. Yeah, like I eat and I just I promise. So you me. went to another house? No, I got I got, I got we got a yeah private house. Okay, through a good a lady that somehow I was her son was coming to the men's group. Yeah. And he had mental illness and he was he loved the men's group, so he okay. kept coming. Yep. So we, we got in a relationship with the mum. Yeah. And she rang me as soon as I left that 
Ram, she goes, I've just built a house. Do you, do you know anyone who want, wants to rent it? I said, I need a rental. Yeah. So we moved in there and I said, I'll paint it for us. So we painted the house and um, for cheap and stuff like, you know, really a good price. And um, went from there. We lived in that. Then we went to another house, a better house. Yeah. And then um, uh, I was on the couch. There too, and I'm like, my back. I think I've got a bad back because of it. Eventually, you had a you 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 married. Yeah, your girlfriend. Our right? pastor. Sorry, yeah, our our pastor forced us into it. <laughs> <laughs> you had to. Yeah, you did. She said, "When you get you're getting married, They're like basically." I said, "I might be going to Syria. Yeah, I don't know what God wants me to do. Yeah. Just got to get out of it." But we got married for ninety dollars. We had a hundred people, not a hundred people at our wedding. Yeah, we had all the catering. All we spent was $90. I got rocked up in a Jag, latest Jag, mm. all of that stuff, suits and everything. Oh, no, I probably spent a bit more, about $290. Yeah. And everything else was provided for, by God. It was a great wedding. Um, so when I left there, after the, after the marriage, left yeah. there uh, looking after guys, people, yeah. all the guys, we had a, like a caravan of people come with us. Um the discipleship houses were up. They had no program. Yeah. So the guys, when I left the rehab back there, some guys came with me to my house, the houses that I moved into, and other guys I put into those houses. Yeah. I gave them to our church. To, yeah. You know, or you know, to disciple. Yeah. But then I moved the men's group to there, to yeah. the middle of Big Park. Yeah. Where and, I had come. Yeah. And then we went from there. We developed programs and rules and regulations that would keep guys spiritually healthy yeah you know not laws but rule yeah. you know you know so where are you today what are you doing today um right now i'm running like it's the men's group is now turned into men and women yeah in, in perth uh above the train station i'm waiting on god really to see where it goes whether we become a church or anything like that i really want to be just doing what god wants me to you know in regards to evangelizing and yeah. leading people to the Lord and discipling guys and, so and, that's and, and girls. Yeah. That's the legacy that you're building at the moment. Yeah. And um, At the end of your life, what would you like people to remember you by? Jesus. Yeah. That I, that I knew Jesus. Yeah. A man who walked with Jesus in yeah. prison. Yeah, basically, yeah. In and out of prison. Who met Jesus in prison and brought him out. Yeah. Jesus brought me out. <laughs> Jesus brought you out to bring others out. Yeah. Even though they're out there in prison. Yeah, it was all, all different forms of prisons, isn't there? Yeah. Even though I was in prison, I was free. And, know, and those who are out are in, really, yeah, yeah. bondage, aren't they? That's for sure. So basically, yeah, that. I'm still so connect- do, do you believe in full restoration? Do you believe that God can... I mean, you've got to think about it. From the age of eight, you took drugs. Yeah. Obviously, that affected your neuron connections. It affected you psychologically. Oh, uh, and then all the trauma and all the pain that you suffered through your teenage years and, you know, prison and, you know, threats and, you know, nearly dying many times. Can God restore all of that? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Can connect all the dots again? Absolutely. That's amazing. It does. It? It does. <laughs> So when you see somebody really ruined, you don't see them as most people would see them, do they? Do you? You actually no. see potential. 
Yeah, absolutely. God can do anything. There's nothing, nothing's impossible. Have you met a lot of people who had given up themselves yeah. or at least the world has given up on them? Yeah. Like one of the guys at our church, yeah. you know, men's group, church, wherever two or more gathered is a church really. Yeah. He came from the very beginning. Yeah. He came from Sydney, out of, straight yeah. out of prison, 13 yeah. years, full on, full on stuff over there. Massive amounts of psych drugs. Yeah. Um, massive amounts of methadone as well. Yeah. He dropped off it all. Yeah. Went crazy, threw himself in front of cars, got run over. He was like a wild man, a wild banshee. Then they threw him in with me. Yeah. He couldn't read or write. He started reading with the Bible at our men's group. Yeah. One verse at a time. Yeah. Now he ministers to guys at Teen Challenge. He's a leader at church, at another church. <laughs> He's got his own business. He's married to a worship singer. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. His life is completely... He was just as bad, if not worse than me. Yeah. And broken. Yeah. Broken. From a young age, he was fed drugs, Ritland and and stuff like that. Yeah. To uh, make him normal. But it made him crazy. He said, man, it just wrecked his life. Yeah. And he still has effects, side effects of it, yeah. from it. But fully restored. I love Foot, that. Like, he's, he's going to build a house. His wife is, works for the government. Like, you wouldn't believe it. Beautiful. Like, full on mate, we could yeah. go on for hours. Yeah, I mean, this, we could go on all night. We, we'll just have to wrap it up. Thanks so yeah. much for coming and sharing your story at Kingdom Stories, mate. No worries. Well, friends, um, you may have somebody or you may know somebody who's... Uh, you, you probably gave up on them already or uh, the world has given up on them. I just want you to know that there is restoration in the name of Jesus. There is possibility... You saw what the Lord has done in Kendall's life and in many other lives he has come across and he's ministered to. I know people have disappointed you many times and they relapsed and they went back to it. But just know that God is sovereign. His love will win them over. Maybe through a thunder in a prison cell. Who knows how? But he will speak to them because they are his creation and he is their father. He is their heavenly father. So I just pray that you have the same heart as the father does and he doesn't see the prodigal son uh, as someone who has no potential. It says that the father saw him well and healthy. Nobody would have seen him well and healthy because he was in rags and he wasn't looking too good. But he saw the potential. That's what a dad does. He sees the potential in every prodigal son or daughter. So... If you're hurt out there because of your sons or daughters or brothers or sisters or friends, just know that Jesus can restore these lives. Play your part in it. Keep praying and do your part, whatever it takes, to love them and to bring them to the Lord. And you will see miracles happen in their lives as well. If you enjoy this content and this beautiful story, please share it with others. Subscribe to our channel and also give us feedback and five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts. We love those. And until next time, take care. Take care of yourself and take care of others as well. The Lord bless Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.